Trennis Magnus, Jab's Reality, as I proceed through a little bit of a musical journey of my high school career, really. Basically what I've noticed is, and I got into this in a little bit more depth in uh, the the first episode of this little mini-series that I'm working through, but basically you could say that my each year of high school for me was was basically defined by its own anthem, right? And the anthem would change from one year to another, but every single one of those years basically was defined by one particular anthem. Now, today's song, obviously, is Alanis Morissette's Thank You. Now, for those of you who don't remember, or for that matter, are too young to even know, MP3s were still a pretty new idea in the fall of 1998, which is when I first heard Alanis, uh, Alanis Morissette's Thank You. I was a senior in high school, and basically what happened was my, my friends passed around a CDR full of MP3s. CDRs. You remember CDRs? I do. <sighs> anyway, so this was kind of like a kind of like a proto-Napster, almost, for those of you who even remember Napster. Um, and this CDR, it had like, a lot of the obvious 90s stuff on there. You know, uh, Space Hog, Corn, 311, Prodigy, probably some Marilyn Manson, since that was still kind of a thing at the time, and, and some other stuff, too. And Alanis Morissette's Thank You. Anyway, so that CDR eventually wound up in my possession, and I gotta say... I didn't think much of Thank You at first. I'm not really sure what I would have been in the mood for at that time, but I'm guessing it was probably something loud and aggressive, at least back then. And to whatever degree Alanis Morissette was ever loud and aggressive, Thank You is just not a loud and aggressive song. But somehow, Thank You became my senior year anthem anyway. Life's funny that way. I think my experience for the first half of my senior year was pretty typical, you know? I mean, this had all become so synthetic, you know? It's like, I don't believe in what I'm doing anymore. I can't even pretend to take things seriously at this point. And basically, I was just ready to move on. Pretty typical experience, really. And a good example of what I'm talking about was joining PALS that year. Now, I signed, I, I signed up for PALS late. Really late. Technically, I should have signed up back in my junior year. Except, I didn't give a crap about joining PALS my junior year, but I desperately wanted to join PALS my senior year. Why, you ask? Well, it's like anything else. There was a girl. Now... At least, at, at least at my school, the whole shtick with pals is that upperclassmen drive to elementary schools in the district and, you know, help the little kids with their schoolwork. You know, pretty simple stuff, really. And it's one of those oddities that come around in life sometimes where you see how the patterns of things fit together. There were five different elementary schools in my district at that time, but 
somehow I ended up getting sent to, to my old elementary school, the self-same elementary that I had attended. On top of that, I was assigned to the very same teacher that I had back in the third grade. She looked the exact same. Her room was decorated the exact same. And it was like having an acid flashback or something. Now, not long after I showed up on my first day, I met some kid, my first day of pals, I mean, I met some kid uh, in the uh, third grade teacher's class who was brand new to the school. He'd only moved uh, to town just a couple of days before I first arrived for pals. He was new in that school, in that vile, wretches third grade class, and he looked scared out of his mind. If it sounded like this little boy reminded me of me, it's because he did, in fact, remind me of me. So I smiled at him and told him to hang in there. It's all uphill from here. And he smiled back at me. Now, merely getting into pals was no easy task. Like I say, the deadline was back in April. And so here I was showing up in September asking to be let in. Now, you ask how that's even possible. Well, you see, it's quite simple. I'm quite good with negotiations. Psychology is a completely legitimate branch of real science, all right? And so most people have a button. And if you push that button at the right time and in the right way, you stand a pretty good chance of getting what you want. Negotiation is all about understanding what the button is. Psychology is knowing when to push the button. I met with the PALS director, I negotiated, and then I pushed the button. And presto, I was admitted into PALS. Easy peasy. But, like I say, everything I was doing my senior year was completely artificial. My interest in PALS had nothing to do with, with kids at all. You know, it was strictly about spending time with a certain girl. It had nothing whatsoever to do with wanting to help anybody. I just, I'd met somebody over the summer. She was enrolled in PALS too. And so joining up with PALS seemed like an effective way of spending more time with her. Like I say, everything had become so very synthetic. And that's why it's totally possible that if the second half of my senior year turned out the same way that the, that the first semester turned out, I might have ended up with a different senior year anthem from Alanis Morissette's Thank You, or I guess for that matter, possibly no senior year anthem at all. But as it happens, things took a turn. Near the beginning of December, I came down with Satan's own case of mono. Seriously, people, Google that shit. Look at the symptoms of mono and realize that most people who are stricken with mono only have like two or three symptoms on that list. But me, I had every motherfucking symptom on the list. Now, I was too sick to go to work, so I had to quit my job. I was too sick to go to school, so I missed all of January and a bigly amount of February my senior year. Guys, when you're that sick, it ain't good. Okay? The fever keeps you up at night, especially at first. I didn't get to sleep for days, sometimes. Uh, the simplest shit tires you out, you know? Uh, back when I played tennis, I lifted 
a lot of weights, and I did a lot of running to stay in shape. But when I had mono, if I lifted something that was too heavy, or if I just got really pissed off about something, one or more of my internal organs might have ruptured, and I would have spent the next 15 or so minutes dying a very painful death. And when, when it comes to, you know, just like lack of sleep, guys, when you go that long without sleep, weird shit starts happening, all right? You see stuff that isn't there. You hear voices, the whole program, you know, it's fucked up. And the exhaustion becomes like a physical weight on your shoulders. It's like all your nerves become raw and you feel everything, you know? Just wearing a shirt might cause physical fucking pain, people. And as I sweat my way through all of that stuff, I found that CDR full of MP3s. Now, again, MP3s were still a basically new idea at this point for most of the world. So it was cool just to have this CDR that's full of MP3s. And as it happened, I was in a mood where I just wanted to listen to something. So I played some stuff, and one of the songs was Alanis Morissette's Thank You. Now, I hadn't heard it since, I don't know, like September or October or November, just whenever, you know, of 1998, just whenever whenever that song first came out. I hadn't heard it since about that time, but it would be fair to say that it didn't make much of an impression on me. But this time, it it, it kind of hit home for me because the very first lyrics in the song say... How about getting off of these antibiotics? Guys, that was my fondest wish at the time. I had enough shit in my cabinet to open my own pharmacy. I mean, you name it, I had it. Painkillers, steroids, and yes, antibiotics. Now, the shtick of Thank You as a song is Alanis Morissette was basically at the end of her tether when she finished up all of her tours and whatnot for her Jagged Little Pill album a couple of years earlier. And basically she was mentally, emotionally, and physically wiped out. So she took a kind of like working vacation and that helped her regain a little bit of a little bit of her perspective, you know? And weird as it may seem, I found myself undergoing a kind of similar journey. I mean, I couldn't could not go to school anymore. I couldn't hang out with my friends. I'd gotten kicked out of pals because, let's face it, nobody wants to risk small children catching mono. I mean, just this entire experience was just a mess. And the weird thing was, I found myself missing my old life. You know, I missed going to work. I missed seeing my friends in school. I missed playing tennis. I mean, you know, tennis, you know, I, look, I watched the Australian Open when my throat was so fucked up, I couldn't even talk. And guys, I'm not going to lie to you, I was desperate to play some tennis again, you know? Except I couldn't play tennis. I was sicker than hell, and it was the dead of winter outside, and it was just the wrong time for me. But here's the thing. Nothing lasts forever. And after I was cleared by my doctor to go back to school... <sighs> Well, yeah, everything seemed, it still seemed, you know, so artificial to me. But the difference was that I could still value the experiences that I had because under other circumstances, I might not have been able to have them. Plus, 
I'd like to think maybe I was getting a little bit older, a little bit wiser. I mean, back in my junior year, I didn't make like a big production out of this, but, well, kind of, but I had a conflict with my history teacher. And if you're curious for the details about him, like I say, listen to that junior year show that I did. And also uh, track down the first part of my Smallville Dreaded Season 4 retrospective where I talk about it in a little bit more detail. The point, though, is I had a conflict with my history teacher and I lost because I, f I fought the battle stupidly. Defeat was the only possible outcome. Now, I had a similar conflict with a different teacher my senior year, but it's important to learn from one's mistakes. So, rather than engage the teacher directly, which is the surest path to defeat, I opted for more of a Cold War approach. Now, I'm not proud of this, and God knows I'm not bragging, but I stole a bunch of shit from the guy's classroom, right? I stole his wooden hall pass, like the specialty hall pass that somebody had made for him. He knew that I did it, but he couldn't prove it. I also stole the final exam from his class. Again, he knew I did it, but couldn't prove it. I uh, basically borked one of the uh, computers in his classroom and basically uh, installed a, a CMOS password that I just hit a bunch of random uh, keys on the keyboard. I don't even know what the password was. I never knew. I just hit a bunch of keys at random, hit enter. There's your new CMOS password, and good luck starting the thing now. And... Again, guys, it was kind of a prick thing to do. I really should have just let stuff go. But this guy had really gotten under my skin. I'm not proud of it, but that's what happened, you know? So, yeah, there's a sense in which I, I, I'd kind of learned from my mistakes. But, you know, this whole idea of becoming older and wiser, maybe that was starting to happen at least somewhat, you know? And the other thing was I'd also become a little bit more sentimental. That girl that I mentioned before, the one that I, I joined PAL so that I could spend more time with, well, she went to a Catholic high school, and <laughs> I was a little more theatrical back in those days. And so what I would do is I wore one of her Catholic school blazers to my public school just about every day, you know? For one thing, it made me different from everybody else. But for two things, just made me feel closer to her, which was important. <sighs> it's rare when you can say that illness, or for that matter, even a pop song, can change your perspective on things so much, but that's more or less what happened. Thank you, Mono.